Hello, everyone. This is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. I know it's been a little while since our last episode, so I hope uh, all has been well with you. I hope you had a, a happy Easter, a happy Resurrection Sunday. It was certainly awesome at our church. And praise God, you know, not not much is new over here. We've uh, We've been doing this prayer and healing class on Wednesday nights at the Grace Family Church Carrollwood campus, which is on Waters Avenue. And I got to tell you, it has really become an exciting time of ministry and worship. And the Lord spoke to me earlier this year about, you know, we have all these awesome leaders on our team and it's time for them to really be sharing and ministering. And, and man, it has just opened up so many things. And so honestly, you know, I've been a lot of church classes, a lot of church groups over the years and this prayer and healing group that we're doing at Grace Family Church has been just one of the most exciting, um, refreshing, you know, I could think of all sorts of other words, but just just wonderful times of fellowship and ministry. And I'm so thankful for the class and the other leaders. And, you know, if you see me on Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm talking and advertising it all, all the time. But please, please uh, consider joining us, especially if you're in the, the Tampa area, Wednesday nights at 7 at the Grace Family Church Waters Campus. I mean, you are not going to regret it. It is something special. And, you know, let me just also mention something that uh, that I, I neglect to mention far too often. But But please, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so. And please, you know, share it with your friends, uh, you know, tell people about it. You know, I don't make any money from this. It's not about the money at all. But, you know, I've been I've been in the church world my entire life. And, you know, I've been diligently seeking the Lord for, you know, almost 20 years now. And I just believe there is some some true, wonderful information in this podcast that can absolutely bless and help your life. And if you really just go through the topics uh, you know, as you scroll through the episodes, as you can do on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, you're going to see a lot of subjects, you know, that we talk about marriage, money, relationships, you know, God's plan for your life, hearing from God. There is just so much material now in this podcast that that can really bless you and help you. And that's one of the reasons why that I do this podcast. It's, you know, obviously I, I love it when people listen. I love it when people tell me that they've listened and got something out of it. But it's also just a resource that I can point people to. Hey, you know, you need, and I, I can't, I can't really explain biblical economics to you, you know, in, in 30 seconds. I mean, sure, I could say, look, you know, it's, it's all about giving and receiving. And yes, that, that's basically what it comes down to. But, you know, really just having this place where I can, you know, share these teachings and all these things that God has shown me over the years that I know will help you. I know they'll bless your life. I know you'll start hearing from God. I know you'll get going on God's plan for your life. So anyway, if, if you're new to this podcast, uh, please check out some old episodes. But please consider sharing it with friends uh, because, you know, I can say this with all sincerity and we're going to, you know, this will kind of lead us in a little bit uh, to what we're going to be talking about today. But but truly, you know, there, there's no fulfillment in existence like the fulfillment that comes when you know you are where God wants you to be. You're doing what God wants you to do. You are in his plan for your life. And, um, 
And, you know, you know, sometimes we go through life and we feel like that in, in some areas. Maybe you feel like that in your marriage or your family or your home, but you don't feel like that necessarily with your job. Or maybe you do feel like it with your job, but you don't feel like it with your church or whatever combination you can come up with. But, you know, the idea that God doesn't want us to know his will is totally unbiblical. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God has a wonderful plan for every aspect of your life that is literally, and you know, this this almost, it sounds too good to be true. It sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. He has a wonderful plan for every area of your life where you have, uh, he has relationships for you, friends for you, ministry opportunities for you, but also where you're going to get ministered to no matter what level you're on. You know, God has things laid up for your life that where you're going to be a blessing to others and others are going to be a blessing to you. And it's just the reality. It's just the wonderful reality of God's love for us and God's plan for our lives. And, you know, if you're, I, you know, I hope that you're happy and at peace in, in most of the areas of your life, not every area, but if you're not, you know, that, that can absolutely change. You spend some time with God you spend some time praying, listening to what he has for your life, and he will lead you. And, you know, honestly, this prayer and healing class for me has, has just is just an example for me of, um, you know, what we're experiencing now. And, uh, you know, it's just, just a wonderful example of God's plan, you know, really manifesting and just being in a place where you feel peaceful, you feel excited, you're, you're ministering, but you're also getting blessed by the other people. Uh, you know, anyway, it's just been fantastic, you know, and, and no, I don't always feel perfect in, in every area of my life, but I just got to go check in with God regularly. God, what do you have for me in business? What do you have for me in work? What do you have for me in, in church, et cetera, you know, and really just focusing on God and he reveals his will to us. So anyway, I know I'm kind of jumping around today, but, you know, just to sum it up simply, I know it's cliche. I know you've probably heard it a thousand times, but you know, God does have, in fact, a wonderful plan for your life where, where you can grow, you can mature, you can um, receive all that God wants you to have. You can love and be loved and all of these wonderful possibilities that life has to offer. They can all be found. In fact, they will all be found in God's plan for your life. And, you know, and and sometimes when we go through our lives and we have difficulties or there are certain areas of our life that are, um, you know, harder than others, for example, you know, it's time just to check in with God. It's time to, you know, recommit to our relationship with God. If you're struggling, God doesn't want you to struggle. If you're toiling, if you're unsatisfied, if you're not at rest in any area of your life, that is not God's will. And, you know, you know, yes, if you're, you know, pretty spiritually mature and in tune with the Holy Spirit, yeah, God may be moving you. God may be entering you into a season where you're going to transition to something new. And that's great, too. But but really, he just he does. He, he wants you to be at peace. He wants you to be on this adventure that is his plan for your life. And so anyway, you know, that's that's one of the reasons I do this podcast is try to cover a variety of subjects so that, you know, people can really learn about, you know, God's plan and God's ways and what God has for the various aspects of our life. But today, I want to read 
a story from the Bible. And this comes to us from the book of Mark chapters, excuse me, chapter five, verses one through 20. I'm reading out of the NIV. And this is, uh, we'll pick it up here with Jesus and his disciples. So it says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, excuse me. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus Send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And Jesus, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. You know, I read this story again, you know, like you probably, I've read this story many, many times, but I read it again a few weeks ago, and I was just so struck by how powerful and awesome this story is. So I'd like to take a few minutes about this story, then I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, kind of my own uh, you know, example or my own, you know, testimony with God, and then we'll see where we go. But, you know, look at this man here. Now, now maybe some of the language is slightly confusing, but just to be clear, we have one man who is possessed by many demons, so many demons that they call themselves legion. So, you know, I don't know how many legions uh, or how many how many demons were in this guy? But I mean, it was probably hundreds, maybe even thousands. Now the demons so controlled this man. You know, this wasn't like you know sometimes where we have oppression or you know someone being afflicted by an unclean spirit, which is very common, unfortunately. You know, that might be that might manifest itself in addictions and sickness and depression. I mean, we see that a lot in the world today. Very tragic. But this particular individual, he was so possessed, so controlled by the demons that he was completely cut off from society. He was completely cut off from his family, completely cut off from the culture, completely cut off from anything resembling a normal life. 
Think of the physical impact that these demons were having him on his body, that he was supernaturally, uh, you know, empowered to break chains and to break bondages and to, but then, but then they were controlling him so that he, he was cutting himself. I mean, we can't even imagine how terrible of a situation this guy was in, you know, um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, we struggle to even find a comparison. But, you know, imagine somebody who's locked away in a, you know, in a mental facility and they're in perhaps a straitjacket or some other restraints because they're going to hurt themselves or they're going to hurt others. You know, that's that's the level of oppression and possession by these demons that we're talking about here. I mean, really, I mean, how much worse could it possibly get? Right. I mean, horrible, horrible situation. And I think we I mean, that to me is the first part of the story, you know, understanding the depths of how terrible this situation was for this man. So the man, you know, he, he encounters Jesus and we won't we won't dive into every detail because there are many fascinating details here. But he encounters Jesus and and Jesus immediately sets the man free. OK, I mean, cast these demons out. The demons are gone. And, you know, the man immediately, you know, we see what is the first thing the man does? Well, he puts some clothes on, right? Well, you know, thank God. Um, but uh, it says they, the people, they found him there dressed and in his right mind. So he's mentally restored immediately by the power of God. He's, you know, he's, he's on his way to physical restoration. He's, you know, I don't know how he got the clothes. Maybe the disciples had some extra clothes. Who knows? Doesn't matter. But he's immediately restored. And now, you know, we see this interaction with the local people. They don't want Jesus to stay. Well, they're, they don't want that for a lot of reasons. But just to give you a short explanation, these people had an improper relationship with the pigs. Most likely they were tending the pigs as a source of money. And this was all basically illegal under the Jewish law. They, these Jews had no business having any dealings with these pigs. And that's why Jesus had no problem sending the demons into the pigs. He didn't care about the pigs. You know, this was totally inappropriate for these pigs to be with these people. But so the people, most likely the people were mad about their money and the economic loss that they were going to sustain because of what happened to this pigs. And they didn't want Jesus. They said, get out of here, Jesus. And, you know, that that could preach. We could talk about that because, you know, when Jesus comes into your life, he might tell you, you need to get rid of some stuff. You know, I think every single one of us, and let me just say, I I am absolutely an example of this. I absolutely had some pigs in my life. I had some things that I was dealing with in my life that were ungodly, unclean, unlawful, should not have been there. And God told him to told me to get rid of them. He did not care. And um, and there was a lot of those and different kinds of things. You know, there were relationships that, you know, God basically said, look, I don't care. You, that relationship has to end, you know, and, and that doesn't mean he didn't love the other people. Jesus died for those people. But some people, God, God didn't want them in my life anymore. There's some activities, you know, drugs. Right. Unfortunately, you know, I, you know, I, I use some drugs. No, that's gone. You know, those are unclean. That should not be a part of your life. I don't care what you think. I don't care how much you like it, whatever, you know, no drugs, you know, and, and on and on I could go. 
But so this man, Jesus totally sets him free mentally, totally sets him free spiritually, totally sets him on, you know, a path to begin living his life again. And then and then let's see what happens. So he has this interaction with these ungodly townspeople. Oh, they all they, they only they didn't care about Jesus. They didn't care about the man's deliverance. They didn't care about the disciples. They were only concerned with the pigs or whatever, and they 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 sent Jesus away. So the man now. The man recognizes what's happened. And naturally, naturally, he wants to then follow Jesus. He he says, um, begged, he begged to go with Jesus. You know, I don't know if you've been there, but a lot of people have. You know, when they get supernaturally delivered, that, that's all they want. They only want Jesus now. I tell you, mine didn't happen instantly, but but I've been supernaturally delivered, supernaturally set free, and I only want Jesus. I only want God's plan for my life. But anyway, so he, he begs Jesus to go, but Jesus says, no, go home to your own people and Tell them what I've done for you. That's you know, that's the short version, right? So it says the man went away and began to tell the people in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Now think of this. This man went from probably the worst possible situation he could be in. In one day, he was now an anointed and appointed witness for God. Witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to what, it, let's see how his life got turned around. So he goes to Decapolis. Now Decapolis was actually, the word means 10 cities, and it's it, it referring to a huge region of these cities on the east side of Jordan. Now this is not really Israel proper. Not the Israel that we think of today when we look on a map. Very little of this area is actually in Israel today. But anyway, so he goes to these 10 cities, which is a very large region on the east side of the Jordan River. And he begins to tell everyone how much Jesus had done for him. So now this guy, and it says, and all the people were amazed. So this guy goes from the worst possible situation to a ministry and a directed by God ministry to 10 cities, a huge region, and literally spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, literally turning people to the Lord. And it says all the people were amazed. So there, it is not a stretch to say that this guy went from the worst possible situation, totally cut off from society, totally out of his right mind, totally destitute in every sense of the word, financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, to having a major ministry to a huge region. That's how God turned this man's life around. That's how God, you know, delivered this man and set this man on the right path for his life. And it happened in one day. And I want to just go back to this quote where Jesus, you know, sent this man out, literally empowering this man for the rest of his life. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know, to me, that the more I look at that statement, that direction, the more I'm just blown away by it, you know, and I think it's it's so powerful. The power in that maybe doesn't jump off the page to us instantly. 
But I submit to you that at the end of the day, that at the end of the day, that statement boils down what every single Christian is called to at the start, at, at least at the beginning. Yes, some of you are called to nations. Some of you are called to Asia and Africa and, you know, the ends of the earth. You know, I believe I'm called to other nations. I've been to Haiti many times. I believe, you know, God has a future for me, continuing to travel. My kids are begging to go on a mission trip. I'm so thankful for that. And we are, we are, we don't have one on the books yet, but, but, but buddy, if my kids want to go on a mission trip in the name of Jesus, they're going on a mission trip. And um, my point is, you know, yeah, I believe God has that for me and God may have it for you. But every single one of us, after we receive our salvation, after the Lord delivers us, after we get saved, we are called to go to our own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for us. And how he has had mercy on us. That at its, at, at its rock bottom, at its core, every single one of us is called into that. And, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, I'll just tell you what happened to me. You know, I, I, um, you know, I was in church my entire childhood. My parents, uh, they were good, they, good about bringing me to churches. They brought me to good churches uh, you know, one of those churches that, that I was in, I still visit from time to time. One, another one we spent some time in is a huge, thriving church today. Really, two of them are. And, um, you know, so they did. They had me in good churches and they exposed me to good word and good people and good teaching. You know, I don't look back and, you know, I don't have those hurts and those pains from my life in early church. And I'm not bleeding. You might. And I totally understand. There's a lot of bad people in the churches out there. Look, that's just the way it is. And I'm sorry if, if you have those memories or those bad experiences. And I know a lot of people that do. But anyway, I'm just giving you my testimony here. But you know what? I wanted the world. When I, when I went to high school, I, I met kids that drank and used drugs. And for a variety of reasons, I decided that was cool. And that's all I wanted to do. And uh, the moment I left home at 18, I, I don't think I went back to church until my senior year of college. And by that time, you know, I was just so, so worn out mentally, you know, so, so exhausted in so many ways. And, you know, I just, you know, I mean, I did. I still used drugs. I still drank. But I real, I basically stopped caring, you know, and I just I just knew that I needed God in my life. But I went this period of years where I didn't go to church. So then... Then, you know, we come time and I, I get through college and I go to law school and my dad takes me to Atlanta and um, for, for my law school orientation, you know, and just just to give you an example, you know, my dad and I are staying at this hotel and I went went out by myself drinking that night, you know, went out and found some alcohol and, you know, and uh, we came home, we wake up the next morning, you know, it's Sunday morning and I think, you know, we're driving back to Florida from Atlanta and, you know, my dad's like, well, get up. We're going to church. So, you know, we drove down and we went to World Changers Church International, uh, which is pastored by Creflo Dollar. He's on he's a big time guy uh, on television this is a church it seats, you know, eight or ten thousand or something. I mean, it's a big, big church. And he took me there and I thought it was the craziest place I've ever seen in my life. I mean, old, old school, kind of southern, big, you know, big choir. I mean, the whole deal, you know. And anyway, I thought it was crazy. But months later, when I came back to Atlanta, honestly, I was so broke and I was so lonely. I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. My girlfriend, 
who's my wife today, you know, she was continuing to stay in Gainesville because she, she got a master's, you know, so we, we had a year where we, we weren't in the same city, you know, and I was just, I don't know, I was just hurting in every way. But anyway, so, you know, to be honest, I really don't even know why I went, but I went to this church and, um, I mean, you know, it was, it was nuts, but I went and, um, and I said, you know, I'm standing in the back and I said, look, God, if you want me to join this church, just give me a sign. And uh, some guy comes over to me, never seen this guy before, never seen him since, uh, comes over to me and just kind of gives me just a real reassuring kind of pat on the shoulder, you know, and, um, you know, maybe it wasn't, you know, that crazy, but but that was enough for me. So I started going to that church and then, you know, just different things happened. You know, I was going on Sunday. I was still drinking, still partying, going to law school. Uh, but I, I got up and I got to that church on Sundays and the word started working in me. It's, I started getting convicted. I started knowing, you know, I got to make some changes. And then one day I'm walking out of church on Sunday and uh, and this woman who was an usher, and I just rem I noticed her because you know I mean any anyway she there was like five white people in this whole church I'm just telling you the story you know and so in this woman you know she was an usher and uh, and she she looks at me uh, on Sunday after I'm leaving church and she says well we'll see you Wednesday and you know she meant the Wednesday night service and I thought to myself oh no you won't. And uh, as I'm walking through the building, I'm a huge place, huge parking lot. And I'm walking through the building and I felt God say, oh, yes, she will, because I expect you there on Wednesday. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't have any spiritual maturity and didn't really know anything. But, man, I felt it so strong that the Lord wanted me there, you know, Wednesday and Sunday. So now I'm driving from Decatur to College Park. Uh, every Wednesday, every Sunday, I'm at this church just getting fed the word. And man, it just started to take hold. And about about eight months, you know, I'm, you know, you're there for fall and spring for law school. And then, you know, I went home for the summer. And about eight months in, the Lord, the word had worked in me to such a degree that I had to change. And I went home to my own people and I began to tell them how much the Lord had done for me. And how he'd had mercy on me. And you know what? They welcomed me with open arms. They all got saved. We had revival. No, I'm kidding. They completely rejected me. They thought I was insane. They could not believe that the one who before was, you know, the worst, right? Party animal, you know, never went to church. No, they couldn't believe that I came home and was now talking to them about Jesus. They didn't want to hear none of that instantly. Virtually every relationship I had was was uh, destroyed. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that, you know. Uh, but you know what? The fact is, is that it took a while and I didn't handle things correctly in a lot of those relationships. I really didn't. I went too hardcore. But over time, eventually, the witness began to take hold. And God began putting me in the right places. And now there's a number of people that, you know, that, and I'm not taking any credit. Don't hear me. I'm not taking any credit. This is just the power of God. This is just a cool story. It's all about what God's done in my life. 
But there are people that I prayed the sinner's prayer with, that, that I witnessed to, that God saved. They're still on fire for God. They're still serving. They're still, you know, worshiping and serving the Lord. And, you know, and I don't, I again, no credit. It's just so wonderful to see God working in their lives and to know that God used me to witness to those people. And and I'm my point is, you know, when you begin receiving from the Lord, whether it's your salvation or whether it's in some area of your life, if you've already begin, you've already been saved. God wants you to share what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That I'm calling that the friends and family ministry. Every single one of us is called to the friends and family ministry. Every single one of us has a testimony of what God has done for us, what God is, how God has set us free, how God has provided for us, how God has brought us to this place or that person or this church or that job or whatever. And every one of us has a testimony of how God has had mercy on me. I did this. I did that. I messed up here. I sinned there. But God has had mercy on me. He's turned my life around. He set me he set me on my feet. He's clothed me. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the spiritual imagery and all of that. But he, I'm clothed and I'm in my right mind. I was not for a long time. I was not in my right mind. I did not have any spiritual clothing on. But now, because of what the Lord has done for me and because of what how the Lord has had mercy on me, I'm clothed and I'm in my right mind. And he has sent me to go to my own people and tell them what he's done for me. And that's what I'm doing. And basically, my friends, I've been doing it for 19 years. I've never worked for a church. Sure, I've done a lot of different classes and groups and ministry opportunities. And, and you know, and praise God, they're all exciting. They're all wonderful. But But here's my point. You don't need to work for a church to be in the friends and family ministry. You don't need to join, you know, any kind of official thing or sign up for anything like that. No, no, this is what I want to relate to you. My friend, the adventure of your life is waiting for you. And the adventure of your life starts when you enter the friends and family ministry. Starts when you go to the people in your life, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, and you tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And let me just say, you know, you want to make sure that you do that with love, that you do it with grace, that you do it. That, I mean, please just learn from my mistakes here. Don't bring judgment if you don't agree. You know, I still had friends that were drinking, using drugs, sleeping around, you know, doing all this bad stuff. And I condemned them and I judged them. And I was, I handled it terribly. Don't do that. Don't do what I did. Love people and focus on what God has done for you. How God had mercy on you. How God set you free. How God put you in to your right mind. How God started you on his plan for your life. It's your testimony of what God has done for you. It's not your testimony of, you know, how God wants them to change all their behavior. Or how God's going to judge them or send them to hell or something like that. No, just keep it simple and be ready. Be ready to witness. And you know what? Some people are going to reject you. I'm just telling you that now. I'm not prophesying that over you. I'm not decreeing you that over you. I'm just telling you. Some people are going to reject you, but some people aren't. Some people are not. In fact, I'm not going to get into the details, 
But just recently, don't judge me. I'm not perfect. I've never claimed to be perfect. But, you know, just recently, there was somebody that, um, you know, let's just say maybe there's people in your life, right? And you'd like to minister to a bunch of people in your life. And man, if you could get that one friend saved or that one person saved. I mean, I have people like this. Oh my gosh, if I saw a couple of these people get saved, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing, right? And then there's other people in your life. And I'm not saying it should be this way because we are all equal in God's eyes. But maybe there's other people. Well, yeah, yeah, if they got saved, great. You know, like, like uh, you know, if your father got saved, through your ministry, well, that would really be something. That would be amazing. You'd be glorifying God. You go down to the street ministry and get a homeless person saved. Hey, that's still wonderful. You're still going to glorify God, but it's not going to have, maybe in your eyes, it's not going to have that big of an impact. I know that the point I'm making is maybe not crystal clear right now, but here's my point. Just recently, I had some something happen in my life where maybe somebody that, that you know, maybe I didn't really... It's not that I didn't care whether they got saved. It's not it's not whether I didn't care if they received from the ministry. But you know, it wasn't like a top priority in my life. Anyway, this person that I maybe didn't think a whole lot of, well, they did something to really bless me. And um that really really convicted me. Really really reminded me that, you know, we need to approach everybody equally. And so here's the point that I'm making. As you start the friends and family ministry, as you look to tell people what God has done for you and how he's blessed you and helped you, just tell everybody. And don't worry about, you know, whether it's your father or your boss or your most important friend or whoever. Just start telling everybody. And some of these people, they are going to receive you. Some people are going to come to church with you. Some people are going to listen to you. Some people, you hear a great sermon and you share it with them. They're gonna, they're gonna listen. You know, somebody shared a sermon with me almost, a, I think it was actually a year ago, like 13 months ago. And I saved it all this time because I respected the person. I, I was like, eh, you know, people send me stuff. Who really cares? You know, but I respected this person. And, and I, so I just held it. And the other day, I finally listened to it. And oh my gosh, was it powerful. Oh my gosh, did I get blessed. So anyway, my point is, just start sharing. No matter where you are, no matter what your life looked like a week ago. Maybe your life was similar to this man that we read about in Mark chapter 5. I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, I, I was not a great candidate to start the friends and family ministry, right? I was a, a, a bad candidate, you know? Um, but, you know, by looking at this story in Mark chapter five, it reminds us that God, not only does it say God can use anybody, it says how God wants to use everybody. God wants to use you. There are people in your life that you can witness to, you can tell them about God and and they are going to receive the gospel through you. You know, I've never met a person that said to me, you know what, Byron, I've shared the gospel with countless people and not one person got saved. You know, I've never heard that testimony. You know, uh, I've shared the gospel with many people and many people have not gotten saved. 
but some have gotten saved. And oh, I'm so thankful for the ones who did. And of course, I'm still believing God for those who didn't. But my point is, you start sharing the gospel, people are going to get saved. Um, now, this is a fascinating spiritual reality that I'm not going to dive into. There's power in the gospel alone. You just tell them the words. God loves you, has a plan for your life. In fact, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save you from your sins. Then God raised him up on the third day. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be in paradise for eternity. Now let's get going and start on the wonderful plan God has for your life. You just say that to somebody. You have now planted a seed directly in their heart. That seed is the incorruptible word of God, which will not return void. And you may not see the fruit. You may not see that person get converted and saved right there on the spot, but you planted the seed and you start doing that. A lot of those people are going to get saved. I'm just telling you the truth. That's just the truth. It is the truth, my brother, my sister. You start teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with the people in your life. People are going to start getting saved. And let me make another point. You know, we were at, probably many of us were at Easter service on on Sunday. And they did um, a salvation message at my church, probably like they did at your church. And you know what? A ton of people got saved at my church. I, I just know it's true because my pastor has the anointing, the spiritual empowerment to preach the gospel and people are going to get saved. They always do. And I love it. He's he's a phenomenal, phenomenal evangelist. He has other gifts too, but I'm just talking about getting people saved right now. But here's my point. You can share the gospel from the pulpit and see a multitude get saved. And that's a wonderful thing. I've had experiences like that in Haiti where I preached the gospel and many people came to get saved. Many people came to the altar call. We had one meeting that stands out to me where many children came up to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What? What? I mean, it's a great memory. Honestly, it's a great memory. I'm so thankful. But while that seems big and that seems cool, the times in your life when it's just one person, when it's just you shared the gospel with one person and that person received and got saved and prayed the sinner's prayer right there with you and got born again, I actually think that that is the most beautiful and wonderful experience that we can have. It, it, it's certainly way, way up there. And that experience, which is one of the greatest experiences that life has to offer, where you share the gospel with one person and that person prays with you and gets saved, you know that experience is absolutely free. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to be in the full-time ministry. You don't have to work for a church. You just have to start sharing. You just have to start sharing what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I promise you, you step into the friends and family ministry just like this man did. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care what you got delivered from. You can start today. You step into this friends and family ministry and people are going to be amazed. People are going to receive. People are going to get saved. And I tell you what, you are going to be 
just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I cannot encourage you enough. I need to get bolder. I know I'm pretty out there, but I need to get bolder. I need to be telling everybody what the Lord has done for me and how he had mercy on me because I want everybody to know about the goodness of God. I want everybody to experience what I've experienced and more. My friends, I'd like to spend a moment and pray with you. Because chances are, if you are hearing this, you are a Christian. Some of you are on fire for God and you live every day on mission with purpose and you are constantly looking for these opportunities. And let me just say before we pray, let me just give you a couple of quick ideas. As you're going through life, if you hear someone discussing a problem they have, just ask if you can pray with them. That's all. If they say yes, wonderful. And you pray, ask for God's help. You you want to go beyond that? Great. If they say no, hey, no problem, cool. And then you move on with your life. But if they say yes, then you pray with them. And then when you're done praying, you just say, hey, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or have you ever invited Jesus into your heart as your Savior? Or do you know, are you sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? You know, these questions are not really that offensive I mean, look, yeah, some people are going to get offended. Some people are going to get mad, but don't worry about that. That's not, who cares, right? You're doing what God wants you to do. You're preaching the gospel. You're witnessing. You're doing the right thing. That's what matters. So you ask these questions and the, you know, the reason most people don't really get offended, they might not respond. They might not care. They might not want to pray, but they know that even in your mind, and they might think you're crazy, but they know that you're trying to help them. I'm not trying to get you saved to help me. I'm trying to get you saved to help you. And you know what? Even people that are atheists, they're not Christians, they're rabid anti-Christian, most of them understand that, that you're just trying to help. That's all. And that same question, can I pray for you? The vast majority of people understand. They may not believe in God. They may not believe in prayer. They might not believe in anything that, that you're you know preaching. But they know you're just trying to help. So that's my advice to you. If you don't have any other ideas or you don't have any specific leading from the Lord, just go for this. Can I pray with you? Hey, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Hey, do you know if, if something were to happen and you died today that you'd spend eternity with God? Well, you know, you can know right now. We can pray right now. Let's accept Jesus right now. And then it just goes from there. You invite him to church. You invite him to other ministry activities. You start sharing books with them, teachers, messages, whatever you want. But my friends, this is the ministry we're all called to. And I just, I want to make this point clear. This is going to be the friends and family ministry. Can No matter where you are today, you can start. And for the rest of your life, the friends and family ministry is going to be one of the most exciting, fulfilling and enriching aspects of your life. It is it is God's plan for every one of us to be in the friends and family ministry, and it is going to produce tremendous joy and fulfillment in your life. Not to mention what it does for the other people. They're getting saved, they're getting touched, they're getting delivered, they're getting into relationship with Jesus Christ. Then they're in the friends and family ministry. Praise the Lord. Anyway, let me just pray. Father God, I come before you right now on behalf of everybody listening to this podcast and also in agreement with them. 
Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would inspire them, that you would remind them, God, of what you've done for them, how you've delivered them, how you've had mercy on them. And I pray in Jesus' name that you now inspire them by your Holy Spirit to begin witnessing to the people in their lives, sharing what you've done for them, sharing how you've had mercy on them. We pray for open doors of ministry. We pray for spiritual promptings from your Holy Spirit, Lord, showing us who to pray for, showing us who to share with, giving us opportunities, sending people our way. We pray, Father God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would begin drawing everyone in our lives to you. Our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our family members, by your Holy Spirit, we pray that you begin drawing them to yourself and then providing open opportunities for us to witness to them for Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I love you. God bless you. Thank you for your time. But please share this podcast. Please subscribe. Um, and if, if I can pray with you, if I can talk to you, uh, just don't hesitate. Let me know. God bless you. And we'll talk again soon.